is still mad at me because I accidentally put super glue on her pen a few days ago. She just can't seem to let it go. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. I come from a mountain and my name is Henry. Uh, I come from a plane and my name is John. And together we're mountain and plane coming right at you to hit you hard with all the fast-hitting, hard-hitting news of the zeitgeist. Just to be clear, though, uh, when I say plane, I mean P-L-A-I-P-P-P-L-P-L-A-P-P-L-A. P-L-A-I-N? Like the opposite of a mountain, not an aeroplane. That was a long walk through the plains of yore, John. And when I say yore, I mean yours. Because you're a plane. I am a plane, burp. I was on a mountain, John. Oh, where was it? I was on a mountain for five days. Uh, Breckenridge, Colorado. Oh, shit. I was going to... Hold on. Can I guess the city? <laughs> yes. Uh, Arvada. Arvada. No. Denver. No. St. Lucia. There's not a joke here. I've already said the city name. It was Breckenridge. South Padre Island. That is in Texas. Ship Island. That is in Mississippi. Breckenridge. Yes. Nailed it. Got it in one. I was on a mountain and I found the mysteries of the universe, John. Oh, uh, well, I mean, far be it from me to stop you from uh, laying heavy upon our listeners the mysteries of the universe. So please proceed. I will. And I will say that I have covered similar mysteries in the past. Uh, I'm, you know, remember when I revealed to the world that some conglomerate or some organization was pushing Mick Jagger four years before the 50th anniversary of the Rolling Stones? So just to be clear, is this also, uh, is this coterminous with the, the ghost theory of popular music? Or is the ghost theory outside of the Mick Jagger theory? The ghost theory is outside of it because I could not prove it, but this I can Prove. All right. And I want people to believe it because they know that I cracked the Mick Jagger code. And when I say me, I meant somebody else on Reddit who also, who, who, who found it. Yeah. But I'm trying to say this is a similar vein and that it involves music. All right. So the mountain taught you about music. The con- mus- another musical conspiracy, John. Please. And it also has to do with mountains because of the person that it is about. Oh, can I guess? Who? Drake. No. Oh. What would that have to do with mountains, John? Dragons tend to live in mountains. Drake isn't a dragon. He's a pirate. He's a baby dragon, you're right. <laughs> He's a Sir Francis Drake. <laughs> oh, oh, that one. I thought a Drake was a baby pirate. I mean, baby dragon. <laughs> Man, I really like that Edgar Wright movie, Baby Dragon. It was really... The soundtrack I've heard people really wow. like. 100% Drake. So I don't know if you've seen Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky with Adam Driver? Yeah, he's in it. Logan Lucky with Daniel Craig? I think he's in it too. Yeah, he's in it. Logan Lucky with Channing Tatum? He's the last one. Logan Lucky, which is a a movie about a bank heist, I believe, directed by the guy who did Magic Mike? Possibly. Did you see it? I did. All right. How about, did you see Kingsman the Golden Circle? Hell no. Okay. Did you watch Alien Covenant? Yes. You did? I did. Alright, so 
That's two out of three. Two out of three. Sixty six percent. Did you watch this is what's gonna tip the hand. Did you watch the trailer for Fallout seventy six? Yes. What do all of these things that I just mentioned have in common? Uh the song uh uh West Virginia Mountain Mama by John Denver. I, I didn't realize that was the name of the I song. I don't know. Wait, Take Me Home, Country Roads. Country Roads by John Country Denver. Country Roads, begin parentheses, Take Me Home, end parentheses by John Denver. Yes. We have discussed my history and distaste I know, for the I know song. you don't like the song. I know. Okay. But that is three movies and one trailer in two years. That all have John Denver in it. Yes. Wait. All of those movies that we named. Luck, L- Logan Lucky. Mm-hmm. What was Kingsman Golden Circle? Uh huh. And Alien Covenant. Uh huh. They all came out in 2017, the same year. I had no idea. Yes. Okay. If you, if you hadn't been, like, if you don't go in every, every movie, cause I only saw one out of those two and it was, it was the Golden Circle. Mm-hmm. And it was written into it. It was written into the, the story. Mm-hmm. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. It's also written into Logan Lucky. Interesting. It, it's not just, uh, incidental music. It's actually a pretty important story beat. Where Country Roads Take Me Home by John Denver plays. Yeah, same here. Like, it's also integral to the story, integral to one of the characters. And if you've seen the movie, you know why. I don't know about Alien Covenant. You know, uh, you asked if I had seen Alien Covenant. I thought you meant Prometheus. That is not what I meant. I have not seen Alien Covenant. No one has. Mm. I think it had Danny McBride in it? Uh, I know that it has Michael Fassbender in it. Well, yeah, he plays the android. Yeah, the and uh, alien, the animal. Doesn't <laughs> Michael matter. the alien Fassbender? So three movies. I say Michael the alien or Michael the animal. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what his nickname is. I didn't. It's realize, clearly the animal. I didn't realize he had a nickname. It does now? Okay. Anyway, please. So three movies were uh-huh. John Denver's "Take Me Home, Country Roads." All in the same year comes out. So a little internet periodical called Vulture. Uh-huh. Don't know if you've heard of them. Pop culture reporters. They're pop culture reporters. Pop culture vultures. Uh, someone named Karen Hahn. Oh, Karen Hahn. Wrote an article called, Why is John Denver's music in so many movies this year? Mm-hmm. I have not read this article because I just found the article. I didn't... Actually, my research is very surface, Uh huh. so I'm going to skim this real quick. So it turns out that it's not, it's not as deep, maybe, as a, of a conspiracy as the McJagger thing, where it was promoting the 50th anniversary of the Rolling Stones. Uh, this article that I, I've introduced, so I feel like I need to do justice to, talks about empathetic empathetic themes that John Denver's music sort of pulls out and how movies can lean on those themes to sort of drive home points. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently one of the songs is also used in Okja, which is a very... it's a, That also came out in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. It did. And it's also a very empathetically driven movie. Now, it's maybe worth noting, however, uh, that... We are approaching, well, 2017, of course, was the 20th anniversary of John Denver's death. He's dead? 
Yeah, John Denver died in 1997, dude. John Denver died? John Denver died in 1997. What are you telling me right now? John Denver's been dead for 20 years. How is his music still existing? Because it was from a long time ago. Wait. (laughs) You're telling me when I hear music. Uh Uh-huh. When I hear music being played and performed, like on the radio, that's not the person... It's a recording. A what? It's most of the time it's a recording. Some, sometimes it's someone else playing the music and they just sound a lot like them. Is it too much of a stretch to keep playing up that I don't know what a recording is when we record this <laughs> fucking podcast? I think I think it might be. It's also the 75th anniversary of his birth this year. So, I don't know. Okay. You can make a conspiracy out of that if you want to. I do have... A backup conspiracy, <laughs> as all good conspiracy theorists do. Alright, I also have a backup conspiracy that I'll save till later. When the facts don't line up correctly, uh-huh. we double down. Mm-hmm. And Reddit user Suterkane, maybe. Like per- Sutter Kane? Sutter Kane? Like the character from the Stephen King novel? Look. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> okay, sorry. Would you pr- would you spell that S U T T E R? Uh huh. Yes, Sutter C A N E. All right, Stephen King's Sutter Kane uh-huh. has this to say: Fun story. All those movies you listed, they all came out in 2017, and with each movie, the star of the last one plays a minor role in the next one. Oh, Catherine Waterston starred in Alien Covenant. Then had a minor role in Logan Lucky. Uh-huh. And then Daniel Craig. Channel Channing Tatum stars Fuck. in Logan Lucky. And then has a minor role in Kingsman The Golden Circle. True. Now, okay. Why? Why? Why would this be, John? You, you're asking? You're asking yourself? I am. What's big in movies right now? Oh. <sighs> Just say any answer. Sad. Cinematic universes. You are right. Oh, the shit. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is one of the biggest high-profiting movie ventures that we have seen in the past existence of movies. They're teaching college courses on it. And so, what are music, what are movie and music executives doing? Linking movies together with songs and actors to create a huge cinematic universe that encompasses themes as well as stories and characters and plots all linked together by John Denver's Take Me Home Country Road and spanning cross mediums to video games through Fallout. So you mean to tell me that we have entered into the territory of the John Denver Take Me Home start parentheses country roads and parentheses cinematic Cross media universe? Yes. You mean the J D T M H C R C M U? Yes. Oh my god. And they didn't want us to know because they want to reap all the profits from us without us even knowing like they did in the Matrix, which probably does not have the song I'm talking about. Because why would it? You know, we can actually look at it uh, a little broader. I remember that we were talking about uh, when we were doing our myth-busting of Black Panther myths. 
The idea being, of course, that Black Panther as a movie has to exist within Black Panther because that song by The Weeknd that was created for the movie is being played in the movie. Thanks, Reddit. Uh, For more on this, see our Black Panther supplemental reading. I'm just going to plug our own content. Yeah, so citation. Yeah, go check that out. And then once you're caught up to speed, keep playing this episode. Now, uh, we can take, for example, if all of these have the song Take Me Home Country Road in it. So it's in uh, Kingsman Golden Circle. It's like an actual part of it. It's not just playing over something. It is integral to the plot. The characters are aware of John Denver and the song. And it's also in Logan Lucky. If someone sings it, they're aware of it. So both of these movies take place in a universe where Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver exists. Thus, they take place in the same universe. Exactly. Because you can't have a universe that has anything from the existing universe in it that's shared without it being... Uh, yes. The the only exception is that if John Denver's Take Me Home Country Road is the universal constant and thusly (laughs) exists in some form or fashion in all universes, Uh and then it's only a coincidence, but the odds of that are astronomical because John Denver would have to exist in all universes for Uh his country road to be... A constant. Yeah. And the idea that in the infinite number of universes that John Denver exists in all of them, that's impossible. Yeah. And yet to be proven by science. And, and furthermore, because he's dead, apparently. And he has ceased to exist in this universe. Yes, and if you die in one universe, you're dead in all of them. That's a fact. Look up Jet Li's The One, the movie that disproves the exact statement I just said. <laughs> Someone gets crushed by a cop bike. You know, uh, there's a backup conspiracy theory. All right, so you don't like the... Oh long, no, I, I love long, it. You know, I love like, it and I think it's true. The long acronym. I I very much like the long acronym. We could just call it the JDCU if you wanted. The John De- Well, it's gonna be the JDCMU, the John Denver Cross Media Universe. We can do that. It's not just cinematic. The JIDMU. <laughs> yeah. The JIDKMU. The JIKMU. JIKMU. That uh, sounds very bad. Let's <laughs> Go on, really your does. backup conspiracy theory. Uh, backup conspiracy theory. Uh, do you think that spending time in Colorado, uh, where they have nothing but pictures of John Denver, because Denver, Colorado. Don't forget his hit song, Rocky Mountain High. Rocky Mountain High. He loves Colorado. Uh, do you think that the knowledge that the mountain streams gave you in Colorado made you predisposed to find connections for John Denver where they may or may not exist? Uh, No. Okay, I yeah. feel like this was a universal truth, and also I'm just checking to see that Rocky Mountain High was yeah it, it is that's it, a John Denver it absolutely is. I mean, look, okay, Colorado. His last name is Denver. If that is his true last name, is it? I don't know. No, that's the knows. one John Denver fact I don't have. Uh, maybe I might have been predisposed to believe a myth about Denver. Coming from Colorado, but here's the thing, John. No. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that checks out. I think it's probably a full-blown conspiracy theory. I think this goes all the way to top. All the way to top. Of Colorado. All the way to top. Did you go top of Colorado? No. Uh, It's hard to get to. You gotta take a funicular all the way there. You like that word. I do. It's one of my favorite words in the English language. Funicular? Funicular. Angled elevator. 
So an escalator. No, no. Enclosed. <laughs> Optionally enclosed. <laughs> so an escalator. An escalator is a funicular of stairs. Okay. Uh, so talking about the this cinematic universe, yes. it's, it's brought to mind something that I want to talk about. Is it more cinematic universes? Now I know we try not to get political in this podcast, but when it comes to cinematic universes, when it comes to cinematic universes, I can't help myself, and that's why I I want to talk about something. Now it, it's kind of serious, and I know like we just had a fun jokey conversation. Wait, and you think you think my segment was a joke no that was the most serious thing i could bring to the table john there were a lot of jokes in there though look we're funny people we can make jokes about anything even something as deadly serious as the jd tmh we went with the shorter acronym i just wanted to give it the respect it deserved it, we don't need because that acronym has parentheses in it yeah, no good acronym has parentheses in no it, except good 401k. Well, which, of course, an acronym... 401k is, of course, an acronym for... For... Oh, wonderful kids. Where are the parentheses in 401k? The K is... Why? I don't know, voila. Alright. It's actually, All right. it's section K of... Some for a line, I don't know. Alright, let's get back. You were trying to make it serious, and I was getting offended because you don't like any of the content that I do. So let's quickly move on to your content. I just want, I just want, this is like a public service announcement, okay? I just think people need to be aware. Of the John Denver multi-cross platform cinematic universe. Yes, MX, JD, MX, CMU. I think that... Okay. <laughs> Let's back up. This might bog the podcast down. It might make us depressed. But I just want everyone to be aware. So you've heard of Netflix. <laughs> Why do you do... Yes, I have heard of Netflix, John. I think everyone in their cat has heard of Netflix. Yeah, man. They charge an arm and a leg for Netflix, right? Cut off my arm and give it to Mr. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos doesn't own Netflix. Anyway, so I'm sick and tired of paying for my streaming services. All of them? How All of play? them. Okay, true question. How many streaming services do you actually pay for? The more interesting question is how many have I paid for, because the answer right now is Amazon and Netflix. So you got two, but how did you ever do a Hulu Plus? At one point I had Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, Shudder... CISO, Filmstruck. You paid for CISO? I did. Wow. I watched a lot of SNL and it was real bad. I mean, good on you for trying to keep that pl that platform afloat. <laughs> and now it's all VRV. Yeah. What? VRV? And hey, what does it stand for? Video Ver Vriv. 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 Video. Real video. So you got to like six. Yeah, I, I think I was at like six. Wait. When you subscribe... Oh, I also had Gamefly. Gamefly? <laughs> That's not... Okay, I guess that is... A, but when you were a part of CISO, when you, when you subscribed to CISO, when you saw something, did you say something? 
That's why they failed. He shook his head no. I hate this. He shook his head no. That's why That's why it failed. You didn't say anything when you saw something. It was also that every time uh, I used CISO, I would complain loudly to everyone around me how bad their app was and how they didn't have anything. Well, that's certainly... They had a bajillion dollar properties. They had bajillion dollar properties. They had uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Rick and Morty. They had... Uh, not the same. Uh, they had SNL... They had a lot of really good comedy shows that I never watched, and then I stopped subscribing, and they went under a month later. So, you were the direct cause of the, the downfall of CISO. I'm uh, glad we clarified that. Thanks, Paul of Tompkins. I mean, you're welcome, Paul of Tompkins. It's okay. Netflix saved him with BoJack Horseman. Uh-huh. So, you only pay for two right now. Mm-hmm. What could this segment possibly be about? You're complaining about the ten ninety nine that Netflix charges you? Yeah. And the $100 a year that Amazon charges you? Highway robbery, I say. You know what I wish? Even without the price, and I think you can back me up on this, what's the one thing that would make Netflix better? You, can, you and I can say it together. So we all know, on the count of three, one, two... Three being Nudity. curated by Nicholas Winding Refn, director of Drive and the Pusher trilogy. Not nudity. No, not well. There might be, there might be nudity. I don't know. I'm here to tell you about uh, a new streaming service. Number one with a bullet. Number one thing that's going to attract you to this streaming service. A hundred percent curated by auteur film director Nicholas Winding Refn. No one's heard of him. He directed Drive. That's the one movie that they've heard by him. Oh yeah, how about Only God Forgives? Don't know it. How about The Neon Demon? I've heard of it, no one liked it. Uh, how about The Pusher Trilogy? Is that like Push, what starred Chris, a young Chris Evans who had the telepathic abilities and also Dakota Fanning and also no one saw that but me? Do you know who Mads Mikkelsen is? Oh, you mean from the upcoming hit video game Death Stranding. Yes, star of Death Stranding, Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, he got his start in Nicholas Winding Refn's Pusher trilogy. Oh, so all As three? a bald man. Nice. He starred as the bald man. And then, of course, the second thing about the streaming service, totally free. It's completely and utterly free. You don't have to... It, no charges. Mm. And it's all curated by an auteur film director. So you know that the tastes are going to be singular. That's really the one thing you can be sure of. The tastes are going to be singular. And it's got a very catchy name. Oh, what's it called? By NWR. It just rolls off the tongue. Can you spell that for a second? B-Y... Oh, and uppercase then, B, lowercase Y, and then his initials, and then his initials. NWR. Finally, a streaming service for the rest of us. Finally, for everyone who felt underserved by Netflix and Hulu and Shutter and Chillbox and Crackle and Verve, you got you got Crackle, you got I, Crackle in there, and the CBS Sports app. Now, I just want to give you uh, a little bit of uh, of an insight into what's going on here. So Nicholas Winding Refn is a strong believer in uh, entropy in art. Oh, so the the act of creating is the destruction of all things. Yes. He firmly believes that art in and of itself is prone to nostalgia, and that nostalgia is not a positive thing. We've talked about this a little bit on the podcast. And he 
uh, has personally found within himself that he has a, a great desire to own films, physical copies, and like hoard them and keep them for himself. And he finds that uh, a disease of nostalgia is like trophy keeping. But also the beauty of art is that art disintegrates in your hand. So much like a serial killer's trophy of his kill, he's hoarded a bunch of trophies of his own. As we all have. Uh, certainly. It's just, it, you know, some people keep all of the recycle- recyclables in a box by their door. Pretending that one day they're going to actually take it to the recycling dump. That's <laughs> a really big Olive Garden bag. I know. How much Olive Garden do you have to buy to get an Olive Garden bag that big? Would you believe one meal? That's a pretty big meal. We got breadsticks and salad. Oh man, I want some Olive Garden. Much like that, Nicholas Winding Weatherby. Yes. Is that his name? Uh, Winding Refn. <laughs> that guy is now going to put all of his trophies on display. Not necessarily all. All of his personal... Some of his personal collection in like a weird Disney vault type rotation. So what uh, the... What I like about this service to be like a little serious about it. Uh, it's not... It's not free necessarily. He said it was free. To back up, he likes the idea that he has been largely against streaming services... But he realizes that the beauty of art is that it disintegrates in the hand and that art is meant to be shared and ephemeral and you're supposed to harvest the feelings from art rather than harvest the objects. All right, so... So... So some some places have like a pay-what-you-want model. Well, that's completely contradictory. Some... Here's the thing. It's not a pay-what-you-want model. It's what he describes as a take-it-or-leave-it model in that it is curated by him. Uh, the movies are chosen by him and close friends. Those are what is available. And either you watch them or you don't. That's it. There's no charge. It's not being given away for free. It's take-it-or-leave-it. So what do you pay? Nothing. How is it... So how is it not free? It's free, but you take it or leave it. There's no one trying to sell you anything. Please, let me just give you a a little bit of insight as to the kind of films you can expect to see on Buy NWR. Which, I signed up for the newsletter today, so I'm excited for my first batch of movies. So starting it off, among the titles that will be available by... By NWR, it's hard to write about this, are Curtis Harrington's Night Tide, which Reffin calls one of the most important films of the pre-counterculture movement, Burt Williams's The Nest of the Cuckoo Birds, a strange singular example of an unidentifiable genre, Ron Orman's The Burning Hell, a fantastic marriage of extreme propaganda and lowest common denominator pandering, and Dale Barry's Hot Thrills and Warm Chills, a prime example for the argument that art doesn't have to contain good taste. I've heard of none of these movies, and those descriptions do not sell me on them, which I guess means... Take it or leave it. I will leave it. 
Yeah, that's you're playing right into his hands. You've chosen one of the binary options. Well, I mean, everyone by default has to choose one of the. I'm not playing into his hand. His hand is just wide enough to enclose everybody. Yeah, his hand is wide enough to cover the whole earth, and that's what he wants. This sounds sounds so good. This sounds sounds so good. Are you getting paid to promote this on our podcast? Does it sound bad to you? It doesn't sound good. Why? It sounds extremely in the middle. And it also sounds very pretentious. Uh-huh. It is a, a highly curated uh, collection of underappreciated movies that are totally free. So there's no reason not to do it. I think it's a universal good. Well, this is like Crackle having all of the old Godzilla movies available for free to watch. Sure, they were available for free to watch, but no one used Crackle, so no one made use of it, and no one watched Godzilla on Crackle. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you had a... Let's say you have, like, a free museum, right? You have, like, a museum curator, right? A museum without a curator is a flea market. Okay. No one likes to go to a flea market. Everyone loves museums. A lot of people like flea markets. You get the best bargains at flea markets. Well, they're gonna leave it. Everything in this museum is free to look at. Like, okay, for instance, say, a very famous uh, comedian... Uh You know, possibly one of the biggest comedians in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Has a show where he gets in cars and gets coffee with comedians, and it's on Crackle. Uh Uh-huh. No one will watch it because it's on Crackle. Uh Uh-huh. It goes to Netflix, suddenly people are watching. Yeah, but Crackle's trying to sell you something. No, they aren't. Take it or leave it. Crackle was completely and utterly free. Did Crackle not have ads? Not when I watched it. Oh, boy. Did you have, like, an ad blocker? Yes. Oh, that'll do it. I always have an ad blocker. That'll do it. Buy NWR, no ads. But it's got buy in the name, which makes me think I'm spending something. And he also believes in entropy. Yes. So the act of streaming, the act of watching, is furthering the, the, the finite amount of energy closer to... Is he an agent of entropy? Is he trying to... To, to suck all of the energy out of the world? The only thing that I know about him is that his hand encompasses the whole world, and he's a, a firm believer in the death of all matter, particularly art. Wait, why isn't his own movies on his streaming service? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he wants to get money from people <laughs> buying his movies. He needs to put his movies where his mouth is. You know, that's... I mean, that's the secondary service. That's by NWR, begin parentheses, mouth, end parentheses, which is $25 a day. <laughs> I don't... You uh, can watch all of his movies in a day. What a bargain. <laughs> yeah, 25 bucks to watch Drive on repeat. 24 hours of Drive. That's an hour... That's a dollar an hour. I would. I will have finally had seen that movie. Mm-hmm. Since, you know, I never got to see that movie after you promised you you would show me that movie. You know, here, let's take an aside on the podcast. Let's say that someone creates a party, and the whole idea is you're going to the party because everyone wants to see Drive. No, hold on, stick with me here. Uh, You're going to the party because everyone wants to see Drive. The movie Drive. 
It is on you, the people who have seen Drive, to bring your copy of Drive. If you then show up at said party and the complaint is, where is the DVD player or Blu-ray player to play this copy of Drive? That's fucked up. Oh, yeah, I think he had a DVD player. Was it like a no Blu-ray problem? It, it was, he didn't have a Blu-ray player. Yeah, well, poor people don't get to watch Drive. <laughs> is that is that what... Take it or leave it. Is that what Nathaniel Wingman Rain believes? <laughs> Nathaniel Wingman Rain. Yeah, uh, yes. That is what he believes. Wow. He believes in entropy and hating poor people. What an auteur. You know, I feel like maybe in, what was that, 2016? When Drive came out? Uh, no, when that party happened. Oh. <laughs> I think Blu-ray players at that point were probably ubiquitous enough that probably everyone should be expected to have one. Um, John? PS4 right there. And I got that last year. 20, oh boy, you were behind the cow's tail by all 365 I, days. Well, I feel like, I feel like we all, we all grew up with VHS, right? Uh-huh. And then DVDs happened, and suddenly it's like, oh, I have to update my entire VHS library of DVDs, and there was some pushback. The Disney vault only opened so many years out of the day, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not even listening. No, 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 I, I understand that, like... Upgrading your things to a new storage medium is difficult. And then there was that whole HD DVD Blu-ray debacle. Uh, that lasted for like four months. That was two years. Yeah. But hey, which one had porn first? It won. I, I don't know. Same thing happened with VHS. What? Okay. That, that I mean, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is... Blu-ray, while ubiquitous and for some, is still slowly catching on for others. So uh, I just went ahead and, and did some top-level research about what percentage of uh, of Americans own Blu-ray players. Turns out 100%. That's not true. 100% of people own Blu-ray players, so <laughs> I guess it was like a statistical how anomaly. Is, how, is that, how is that a study, John? 100% of people, they walked up to everyone. What is your source? They walked up to everyone. Look, latest figures from the Digital Entertainment Group show nearly 100% of U.S. homes have Blu-ray players, while only 91% have DVD players. John? Look, it's, it's right here. John? It's right here. A hundred percent of people. That's, you highlighted 40. A hundred percent of 40%. people. 40%. I feel like it's not fair to lie to people about a visual gag this on is a on podcast. Quora. Uh, this comes from the digital entertainment comes group. comes from Quora.com. Uh, did you know... Do you know what Quora is, John? Hold on, wait. John, do you know what Quora is? Let me get you a secondary... A secondary... Is it also from Quora.com? Let me get you a secondary Quora.com is a place where people can ask questions that other people Google for, like, literally 25 cents. Okay, so here here's the thing. According to this... Is it also... So, 180%... That's... Of people have Blu-ray players. Oh my god. He's doing a visual gag. He looked up how many people have blue eyes and it says 8%. 80% of people have Blu-ray players. This is 8%. That average is out to 90%. <laughs> that statement's not even remotely true. Look, if you have 100%. You can't... Okay, hold on. 
John. Uh huh. You cannot. You, you have to think of our fans. Yes. You cannot, in good conscience, show me evidence to the contrary of what you're saying, and then say what you're saying as fact on an audio-based podcast. That's okay. That's fair. I'm gonna come clean. Uh, I did load up Quora.com, and it said that 40% of people have Blu-ray players, but Quora.com is just a website where people are paid 25 cents to say whatever garbage, so we don't, we can't know what percentage of people actually have Blu-ray players, and that's probably from, like, and I mean, it specifically cited PlayStation 3s, so it's probably way more than, now it's gotta be. Like at least 50. At least 50 people out of 50 people have Blu-ray players. That was a lot. <laughs> it took you a while to get there. I can make anything work. Oh, John? Yes? Not not as ubiquitous as you think. Okay. Maybe it's on me for assuming that my friends, my friends would have a Blu-ray player. I didn't have a Blu-ray player at the time. It was in your house. I know, but I also did not have one at the time. And no one thought to bring one? What kind of party is that? Maybe we thought if the person who was bringing the movie uh-huh. brought a Blu-ray disc, uh-huh. they would also bring a Blu-ray player. Maybe the assumption was that we would bring a DVD, so people at that party... Continue to live like their sad, like, simulation lives where they don't have a Blu-ray player. And they just watch, like, standard definition DVD copies of Independence Day or whatever. Maybe. And just maybe. We both need to move on from this one night where one of us could have watched Drive. I do like to hang it over your head because, of course, you live here now. Yes. I have a Blu-ray player. Uh Uh-huh. And yet I still have not seen Drive. You know, they actually have it at the Austin Public Library. I think it's only in Blu-ray, though. (laughs) That's fine. I have a Blu-ray player. Okay. What I don't have is a library card. How do you know? They're free. They're free. Quick plug to the Austin Public Library system. Okay. You ever been to a library... How do you check out books or whatever? You bring it to the circulation desk. Here's what you do in Austin Public Library. All of them have little RFID tags in them. You put all of them on a desk. It checks them all out. You walk out. You put them on a little pad. It goes ding, 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 ding. Take them. So I was not wrong. Also, I don't... You take them to a circulation desk. This is a quick aside. From your quick aside? I think that maybe the Austin Public Library System no longer has drive. Because we we get drive out. uh, And we returned it. And we got a call saying that it was late. And Drive has been lost in the system for like two months. Wait, why did you rent Drive? What, the Blu-ray? Yeah. Could not find my copy. For some reason, all my like Blu-rays and DVDs... When did you rent Drive? Like two months ago. I... (laughs) What's up? I haven't seen it still. Oh, do you want to see Drive? (laughs) When they give us a call and let us know that they found it, we'll bring it over.
Wait, so you didn't, you didn't get, you had it in your hands? Yeah, we returned it, and it was lost. You're saying two months ago. Uh Uh-huh. You could have easily picked up the phone. Mm Mm-hmm. Said, hey, Henry. Uh Uh-huh. We're about to watch Drive. Yeah. The movie for which you hang over my head. Yeah. For never having let you seen. Uh Uh-huh. And I, and also you would throw in a bit where, you know, I... I'm a fully grown adult and I could go pick up a movie and watch it on my own. Mm-hmm. But you had the chance to make amends to, to, to repair this, this fissure between us. And you were like, nope. And it's really poetic because now that it's been purged from the Austin Public Library system, I've removed your easiest way of seeing it. Henry, I've got a confession. You don't want me to see Drive. Every time I find a copy of Drive, I destroy it. <laughs> the reason why I needed to get one of the public library, I had destroyed my copies. You, you didn't You didn't return it to the public library. You destroyed the copy and said you returned it. Every time, I don't know if you notice this, but every time you come over to my house, there's a really banging noise. It's because I've purchased a new copy of Drive and I have it on the counter. I'm just hitting it with a rolling pin. Over and over before you come in. Is there a reason why you wait for me to to walk in? Like maybe if you was just a little bit earlier, like a weird cruel irony thing. Exactly. Yeah. When when you're at the door, it's like you'll never know. It's yeah. It's a dramatic irony. I like. I have to text you to get into your gate. Yeah. And so I I wait until I know the gate's been opened. You always. And then I hear the and I hear the footsteps. Oh. And then I hear the knocking. And I know that there's something I, the viewer, know that you, the protagonist, don't. Wait, so are you say? Do you leave the door unlocked in case, like, to, to like make it a, a weird, like, gentleman's chance that I could walk in and stop you? Who knows? So next time when I come over, I mean, I have to, to text you to get into the gate. Uh huh. But I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have my fiance driving. I'm gonna jump out of the car, sprint silently like a ninja to your door, and test that knob to see if I can oh, save a copy of Drive. The game is afoot. Are you my Moriarty? Yeah. Am I Sherlock Holmes of Drive? <laughs> you are Sherlock Holmes of Drive, and I am the Napoleon of destroying copies of. Well, I am the Moriarty of destroying copies of Drive, and Moriarty was the Napoleon of crimes. Yes. So I'm the Napoleon of destroying copies yes. of Drive. Yeah. I, no, I was I was following the logic. Okay. Wow. I'll never see it. What you'll if ne- you'll never see it? <laughs> you'll never see it. <laughs> The never. weirdest thing. You'll never see it. Why? As, as long as <laughs> just I, because of that one night. Which... As long as I draw breath, you will never <laughs> see Drive. You have no idea how deep, how uh, insidious my grudge is about that Blu-ray player thing. It wasn't even. You will never see Drive. It wasn't even my house. You will never see it. It wasn't even my party. I can guarantee you one thing in this life. What did we watch that night? I don't know. Some bullshit. Did we watch Mean Girls? Was that the Mean Girls night? No. Was there even a Mean Girls night? There there, there was. I was drinking a lot more at that time. I drink a lot more now. <laughs> nice. Between the two, we can't do that. Oh, you're right, we can't. He tried to high-five me. That would have made an edit point. Yeah. Between the two of us, we drink just the right amount. Yay, I've been drinking more lately. Oh, is it because of the recent holidays? 
Yeah, pretty much. Which holidays are that, John? Oh, July 4th. Yeah, the 4th of July. Uh, I... we could talk about this. Our nation's Independence Day when the aliens came and we hacked a Mac computer of Jeff Goldblum to defeat him. In the words of my day... wait. In the words of my youth... what's that line? Um, in the words of my generation, up yours. And then Uh, he does the plane. Uh, yeah, July 4th happened. Oh, shit. We still gotta talk about the World Cup. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that. We've got time enough for all of this. Oh, my God. I just had, like, real panic. July 4th. July 4th. The 4th of July. Uh, that occurred. Yeah, it happened on the 4th. How was yours? There was a fire ban on the mountains, so we had to watch our fireworks on television, John. I, uh, how do you feel about, uh, celebrating the 4th of July this year? It was the weirdest 4th of July I've had. It it was, it's been one of the weirder ones, because we, we watched, I forget what channel, because I don't really subscribe to channels, I subscribe to Netflix, and now... By NRW. Uh-huh. I didn't say that right. Uh, you're, you're not subscribed. You've chosen to take it. Oh, okay. But, uh... And so, like, watching a television program, which is always... I don't know. It's like they pander to mm-hmm. Americans, which is great. I'm an American, sometimes, mm-hmm. when I choose to self-identify as such. When you're not in Colorado, you're an American. <laughs> and I, I always... I guess I just forget that nationalism is big in this country yeah that's a thing that uh just as a nature of the kind of lifestyles we have uh we don't have regular exposure to nationalism outside of a certain uh brand of ironic nationalism that people our age tend to exhibit like the america yeah the, the america the the ironic nationalism is certainly a thing uh which has died off a little bit recently yeah i i mean go back two years and it was like the, the bald eagle holding two assault rifles tattooed on a guy's chest while he, like, chugs Bud Light or whatever. Yeah. And it was all very tongue-in-cheek and, and you know, for, for the kids, for fun. Yeah. Nowadays, it's kind of like you watch a program with, with, like, a marine band and people singing these these songs from the 50s and you can tell they're from the 50s just from... The words and the verbiage and the, and the tunes. Yeah. And you got people like Shepard Smith, who is a news anchor. And then they, like, regular Joes saying that America is freedom and America is a place to dream. And America is all these great things. And they're saying it without an accent, even though I kind of I put a lilt in there. They're saying it with, like, these voices that sound like, okay, that's what an American sounds like. And in the back of your head, you're thinking... You know, children are being separated by their from their parents on mm-hmm. the border right now. We're trying to kill the Dreamers Act, so, like, it's not a place to dream. Yes. And, like, you're thinking about all of the civil liberties that are being violated, all of the campaign managers and, and off members of the official campaign that are under investigation or straight up in jail right now? Yeah. And you think about people who have stepped down and the turnover in the Oval Office and all the corruption that keeps being brought to light. And then you have to shut up and watch fireworks for 25 minutes. We, we as a nation have, have reached a point that, and I'm not sure 
that there's been a similar point to this in recent history. Uh, we, we've reached a point where irony fails us. Uh, because if, if you say like, hey, there's a, it's, it's gotten to a point where the American bald eagle with the two assault rifles chugging a butt later, whatever, that, iconography used to be ironic because the idea that someone who would uh, ascribe to that kind of imagery was ridiculous and i think that no one does like seriously ascribe to that but the symbols that that creates are now scary rather than funny yeah the the idea of being like my nationalism is huge we are now living in a world where, as a country, people in power as a very real, like, tactic for, like, oration are just saying, my nationalism is huge. It's and, and, horrifying. And tied to my weaponry. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's unbelievable that we went from being like, nationalism such a silly concept, to people being, like... Nationalism is is now what we're practicing. Yeah, nationalism is now the order of the day. Like, I feel like thought has come so far that people even, like, preach the death of isms. And now we're embracing, not we, but a majority of people are embracing an ism to the point where we have a person in power who doesn't even really tow his own party lines. He just... Toes his own lines in the name of nationalism. Yeah, it's uh, it's like a nationalist Roomba that's just like bumping up against things. But like all all funny stuff aside, it is nearly impossible to genuinely enjoy a holiday celebrating your freedom when your country when your country's politics have become effectively radicalized. You it- you can't. You can't enjoy the spectacle that is celebrating something that is steered so far from center that it's unrecognizable. And you have to go back to the roots of the holiday. The 4th of July, Independence Day, was we declared independence from monarchs, from Mm -hmm. the monarchy. It was a pretty big moment, you know. And then we went to war to, to really separate ourselves from tyrants and monarchies. And, you know, King George, sure, he taxed the uh, the colonies to repay a war that nobody wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. So I guess you could describe him as tyrannical, but in the end, he did, you know, when we won, he did let us go Yeah, for a while until 1812 happened. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that was still King George at that point. Um, Hard to say. What I'm trying to say is, tyrant or no tyrant, we got rid of him and then said, no more, no more kings. Death to kings. Yeah. America will not have tyrants. Yeah, we, we will not have nationalistic despots. And now, I'm not putting labels on anything. I'm just saying that a certain Supreme Court justice nominee who has just been named has been quoted as saying the president, the sitting president, should never come under scrutiny, not scrutiny, should never come under, like, an official investigation or court case because that would just tie up the entire federal government, so we should just acquit the sitting president of any potential crimes. And now that person could possibly 
be the swing vote yep. in the Supreme Court justice system. It's, uh... I don't even know how you solve this problem because it seems like a like an infantile concern to say, "Hey, how do we have fun on the Fourth of July?" But the actual question is like, "How do we remove the the rotten core of the system we participate in?" But I mean, I I have not had a Fourth of I like the Fourth of July a lot. I uh, by strong measure generally like the country that I was born in. And this is the first year where I've so strongly disliked my country and everything that it publicly stands for, so much so that I could hardly bring myself to celebrate. Yeah, I mean, all I really did was drink. I drank and ate burgers. I don't... I don't know. I forget what we ate that night. And, and like... I don't want people to come at us to say, like, oh, you're just anti-Republican. That's not at all what I'm saying. It's the entire system. Everything that both sides have done, that all politicians have done up to this point, has led to this. I mean, when I say that politics in America have become radicalized, I don't necessarily mean that one party has become radicalized. I just mean that the, the discourse... Surrounding pretty much everything in politics right now is as piss poor as it's ever been. Yeah. Everything about politics right now is terrible. Yeah. No matter who's in charge. Mm hmm. I mean, you put the other side in charge and sure, they'll, it'll look shinier. It'll yeah. look glossier from the outside, but the inside is still the rotten core. The other side just knows how to paint the outside a little bit better. I mean, uh, I think at the at the end of any good day, what's happening right now is that you have uh, two sides that essentially stand for the exact same thing, that have surface-level differences in policy, and the idea that you could have anyone in power who stood, like, majorly diametrically opposed to the core issues of the system we live in, there's no way they're going to win. Uh, it happened in the last election. Yeah. Uh, it, it very much happened. And, I mean, the opportunity for that to happen still kind of exists in local politics a little bit. But, I mean, at the national level, you essentially have two parties that are going to uh, put forward... Uh, self-interested individuals who will uh, tow a party line on the surface, but then just do the same awful, unjust things that have been happening for decades and are now, just now, uh, becoming so awful in public that people are realizing the depths of depravity that our politicians have succumbed to. Yeah, and both sides have been successful in getting the common person to vote against their own interests. Yeah, it's not, I mean, that, that's where the nation took a turn for the worse. As soon as the, the voters started voting against their own interests mm-hmm. and in, from favor of corporations, yeah. and political lobbyists and all that, that's where it all started downsliding. That's where capitalism got perverted into this twisted profit at all costs thing, which, doesn't allow the free market to do what it needs to do. I mean, we're increasingly starting to live in uh, in a world that's. I don't. I hate to be someone who's like, "Hey, remember this book 
or fucking whatever. 1980 yeah. Brave World. We're, we're increasingly living in, in 1984 where the language we're speaking is not the words we're saying. Because if you look at, for instance, uh, like minimum wage right now. Did you read that thing that Goldman Sachs put out? This wasn't even a thing I was going to bring up on the podcast, but it still pisses me off. I did not read the thing that Goldman Sachs did. Uh, Goldman Sachs, they're a great company. They've said things like it's not uh, profitable in the long term to cure patients uh, for hospitals. So anyway, that's the kind of people we're dealing with <laughs> you know, there. A good company. Yeah, you know, are cures profitable? Maybe keep people sick. Uh, so Goldman Sachs, uh, released a report that was full of this certain brand of like weird corporate doublespeak about rising wages. Now there are a lot of, uh, state and local politicians who are campaigning generally, uh, on the democratic side to increase the minimum wage. And I think the ideal is $15. That's the number that's floating around everywhere. It's basically a doubling of the minimum, the federal minimum wage. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, I won't say whether it's necessary or not because we try not to be political. Uh, but this Goldman Sachs report is full of detestable corporate doublespeak that uses a lot of phrases that tend to be peppered throughout this discourse about increasing wages. Uh, okay, so here's. One that's like a, a real, a real eye catcher when you're talking about worker suppression. So whenever people are talking about, uh, increasing labor costs, when they increase labor costs, they're worried about creating an unemployment differential. So when unemployment gets low enough, the way the market should work is wages go up. To entice workers back into the jobs that they left, basically. So the concern is that if unemployment gets low enough and you increase wages, you create what's called an unemployment differential where you artificially increase the rate of unemployment because you're paying people more, right? That's a surface level concern and it's marketed as we don't want to put people out of jobs by increasing the minimum wage, but that's... That's just an efficient market working, is people get paid more. Yeah, We're, I mean, you can look at it this way. People are losing jobs right now without us doing anything. Yeah. Places are just, it's cheaper to outsource, and they're going to continue to outsource. And uh, one of the things the Goldman Sachs report says is, for every dollar that we increase wages for our workers... That's $0.8 the corporation loses. That's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's not more than $1. <laughs> and and also, like, the corporation can take the hit. Yep, I mean... If corporations you're... make multi-million dollars in profits. A, a few point eight of a dollar's worth uh, multiplied by an entire workforce... Still won't hurt them. But also, if you look at the inverse of that, yes, they're paying someone an extra dollar, but they're losing 80 cents. So if you're paying, if you're increasing someone's pay by a dollar, but losing 80 cents, it's actually a gain. You're still you're gaining not, 20 cents. You're not dollar. losing a dollar. Oh my God. But it, it's being sold as if we increase it by a dollar, we'll lose uh, 80 cents in profits, and that's unthinkable. The bottom line is the real God in America 
And yeah. I'm, I'm just tired of it. See, I, like, the reason we don't get political is because I reveal my true colors and I'm just, I'm strictly an anti-capitalist. Yeah. I, I think that it's, we did get political a little bit. We got very much political. You know what, though? I don't think that being anti-capitalist is a political statement. I think that being... It's an economic one. It's an economic statement. Uh, and it's, it's sick, uh, to me that economic standpoints and political standpoints are now basically the same thing. Religion, economics, and politic... Politics. Politics. Politics are all intertwined in America in, in like, this weird rose garden way where, like, the thorns wrapping around each are, like, poisoning all three at the same time. Yeah. Hard agreement. And that's another reason why we don't talk politics, because we don't want to just echo chamber each other. And also, there's no solution. And there is no solution. I think that we can turn to pop culture, not for a solution, not for a real-world solution, but for maybe, like, a little bit of a catharsis. Okay. And Zack Schneider's Batman v Superman, a little event happens that... It's kind of glossed over in the, in the main scheme of the movie. I remember they fought a demon. Yeah, that's not what I'm referring to. Okay. You see, Superman has to appear before Congress. Uh-huh. For, to answer for why he went and killed terrorists or something. Look, that's not important. Okay. Lex Luthor. Uh-huh. Blows up Congress. Oh, does he, like, blow up an old lady? He blows up the entire Congress. Oh, okay, all of Congress. Yeah, he does. All of Congress. He does. I just remembered that. All of Congress. Uh Uh-huh. That's crazy. I'm not saying that (laughs) you should read into what I'm saying and say we should blow up all of Congress. I'm just saying, what a situation that would be. Tabula rasa. Yeah. No more... Clause, no lobbyist clause in any hands because everyone has to re- like we have to elect all of Congress. I think we may have reached the peak because now what we're saying is if you're con- if you're concerned if you're sad about the current situation, watch the first twenty minutes of Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. And I just want to stress: don't actually do it. No one feel political. Don't don't feel inspired by it. I'm just saying. Eh. <laughs> go watch it. It's fictional. Yeah. Don't make it real. I mean, that's a. It's a pretty common thing to uh, uh, panacea to the times whenever politics are particularly bad. Uh, we tend to turn to fiction that is apolitical or exists in like a post-political place. So I would say that fits and is only like a little bit scary that we're saying. I I, I just don't want to. There's so much violence and the the rhetoric that people use today. There's so much like us versus them mentality. There's so much like, you know, go after them, get them and stuff like that. I'm being very, very tame with my representation of it. But it has inspired people to actually do stuff. It has. And I'm stressing, we are not saying anything like that. Look, I think the worst thing that we're telling people to do 
is, is go to watch Batman vs. Superman yeah. Dawn of Justice. Let that be an act of violence against <laughs> yourself. Uh, when there's nothing left to burn, you must set the world on fire. Yeah. No, shit. When there's nothing left to burn, you must set yourself on fire. That's better. Yes, don't set the world on fire. So you're, that's still not better. Nothing's Don't good. set anything on fire. Oh, uh, vote in local politics. We're circling the... <laughs> we'll slap a sticker on this episode. We do not condone any violence. We and condone means back. Uh, you know how sometimes when uh, there's a music video on YouTube that someone uploaded without permission that says, no copyright intended? Uh... I want this episode to come with the proviso, we don't condone anything. Yeah, no condoning anything. No, no condonement. No call to actions. Nothing. No saluting nothing. Yeah, take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Uh, the only thing we do condone, however... Is watching the World Cup, or whatever's left of it. Yeah, uh, here's my stance on the World Cup. My darling Peru eliminated. My, I mean, everyone knows Peru was eliminated. My second pick, Iceland, eliminated the same day Peru was. Third pick, Germany. My boys, my psychic octopus boys got eliminated early in the World Cup. It's they, a, they got, they got, no lie. They got eliminated, eliminated the next the, day. The next day after picked, we recorded the episode. You, we recorded the episode. You picked Germany. And the next day they were eliminated. Apparently, if I want to, like, uh, juice a World Cup bracket, I just need to endorse teams to get them eliminated. Now, I do have to ask, did you switch over to Uruguay after that happened? I did not. All right, so I can't blame... My hope was to back a team that would one day face Uruguay. God, so we could go head-to-head. I, I, I respect that. I'm just sad that Uruguay was eliminated by France in the first semifinal. The first semi, the semifinal match, no quarterfinal match. Yeah, it's first quarter. quarter. It's the first time Uruguay's gotten to the quarterfinals, I believe. Right? I think they won one. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, they won one years ago. When did they get eliminated? They like got two el- or three days ago. They got eliminated on the Friday of last week. Okay, so we would not have recorded because I mean we skipped. That week altogether. Uh-huh. And uh, even if we did record, I would still have been cheering, and then we would release the episode after they would have gotten eliminated. Keeping the cycle perfect. Exactly. Uh, I think it's a shame that Uruguay got eliminated because they played really good games. They did, and... <sighs> they were... You know what? I watched a video today that actually kind of made me tear up. What, what was it about? Uh, so after the players from Uruguay were eliminated... The uh, the goalkeeper for Uruguay during that game, he had a very hard time. Oh, uh, he lost he lost a goal to just uh, like a goalkeeper's folly or whatever. He lost a goal to physics. Yeah, he blocked a shot that had so much English on it, so much backspin. Yeah, that it it spun over his hands basically after the the the, the block and into the goal. Like there was. He did as much as he could. And uh, so a lot of people were mocking him because World Cup watchers are vicious. Yeah. Uh, Even though the players from Uruguay were eliminated when their plane touched down in Uruguay, people were chanting the goaltender's name. And he was very, very visibly emotional about that. 
Yeah. Yeah, they were they were very proud of their team. See, that's the kind of nationalism we should have where we're, look to Uruguay. No, no, just look to the World Cup. Yeah. Like that that's good nationalism. Yeah, we should look to the nationalism of the World Cup, not the nationalism of the World Cup that makes players really racist or riot or stab people over the World Cup, but the positive nationalism. You know, always be like the positives. The Japanese nationalism. We got to clean up this stadium. We got to clean up this stadium. Man, we're going to prison. (laughs) At this point in time, Mm -hmm. there are three teams still alive. Paris. France, rather. (laughs) France? Brazil. No. Brazil's out? Brazil is eliminated. Fuck them. I think it's France, Russia, and Croatia. Okay, that's an odd... That's an odd mix. It's very odd, and I want to double-check verify that. Okay. An official double-check verify, I I think. I feel like Russia was out, but I might be wrong. You are correct. So Russia's out? Russia is 100% eliminated. So it's France. The... France, the... Which I I hope is not offensive. And then... The Croatians. Those bloody old English. Oh, the English are still in? The English are still in. This is a regular civil war. Now, by tomorrow... (laughs) Oh, are we gonna... By tomorrow, we will be down to two teams. Yes. Either France and whoever wins the Croatia and England game. Uh Uh-huh. And then that's the World Cup. Here's what we do, Henry. We've got to keep the tradition alive. we got to Babe Ruth call our shots. Now, here's the thing. I think to make things super interesting, neither of us can pick France. Yes. Because they're already in the World Cup. And France has been killing it. And so I. Th- this is what I propose. We One of us gets England. One of us gets Croatia. Uh-huh. Whoever loses that match... Gets France. Okay, whoever lo- and whoever then, is eliminated, and then we do end up with the match of the of the century. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm gonna put in my bid first of all, just to let you know, going with Croatia. All right. Because I don't know how to do a Croatian accent, and I feel like if the roles were reversed, I would have to make fun of you in a Croatian accent. Okay. But I also can't do an English accent. So this a bloody old bugger. Well, that's all right, because I have England, and uh-huh. I can't do an English accent, so... Good eye, Mike. I'm England, and we're going to walk the floor with you. <laughs> that's got to be <laughs> offensive. That's got to be offensive. Uh, so we do end up with the World Cup of Zero Credits. England versus Croatia. Yes. Wait. Wait. So wait, France is in the World Cup. They can't get eliminated. France is 100% the other side of the bracket. Okay, I was going to say, what if France get eliminated? I'm like, that seems impossible. It's impossible at this point. They are in the Cup. Unless they get blown up like Congress. Oh, God. <laughs> so to, to reiterate. Yes. I have England. You uh-huh. have Croatia. Croatia. Whoever loses tomorrow's match. Gets France. Gets France in the World Cup, which I believe is played next Tuesday. Yes. So oh, by, man. By the time we record next, this will all have been over. <laughs> yes. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Maybe we'll record an early episode, or at least an early segment of the... Maybe. Of, of like, the trash talk or whatever. Yeah. 
Where one um, of us is going to be parlay blue and some Francais. I uh, think that it's interesting that uh, we've actually... Because in my mind, we were just going to treat however the World Cup ends as like a complete, like, who cares? But you've thought of a good system. I like getting emotionally invested in the, the teams I'm randomly assigned. Did you beat the chickens? The chickens were beaten by someone else. Okay. The chickens, I think, were beaten... What animal is still in the... Is still in the race. Some a couple of dogs. A couple, a couple of dogs. I think Those... the chickens were actually eliminated by a dog. Oh man! And I, I think England is a dog. <laughs> England is a dog. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. There was a very funny email in the trash talking email chain that my family has going for the World Cup, that said simply one line from the couple that is Belgium. Mm-hmm. Because they, uh, they eliminated Brazil, and it just said, Sorry, not sorry, chickens. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, chickens. That was it. The chickens get pretty far. Uh, I look forward to this World Cup. This World Cup looks to be a battle of the bands, John. Uh, I look forward to when this World Cup is over, and they play, of course, Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver, the official song of the 2018 World Cup. Tying this universe to the John Denver cross-medium experience universe. Yes, cross-medium experience universe. Uh, and then we'll finally know that the World Cup takes place in the same universe as Alien Covenant. Finally. I just wanted that connection. Like, I understand the World Cup is like a series, but what's really going on there, you know? Oh, yeah, like, what's going on underneath the surface? Like, after the engineers made the World Cup and left the planet? Yeah. Like, what's... and Oh, man, like, all the soccer, all the football players get on spaceships, Take Me Home, Country Road by John Denver starts playing as they blast off into space to colonize another world. You know, the aliens, they're the children of the players who bite people. Wow. So Suarez? Suarez's children are the aliens. You know, Suarezenomorphs. Yeah, Suarezenomorphs. Oh my god, that's, that's a really nerdy sports joke. It has, and the waveform has collapsed. Yeah, well, that's because I was mumbling and my voice is getting tired. You know what that means? Time to tuck in this voice and start talking with my real voice for the rest of the episode. Yeah, and it's also time to end the podcast because I have to go grocery shopping. Ow, Betty! <laughs> is this your real voice? This is my real voice, oh, John! We... I always dress it up for the podcast, but I feel like I... my voice is tired, so I'm just going to retreat into my normal self. Well, uh, I know that you have to recharge your batteries to conquer another world, so I'll try to get through the social media as quickly as possible. Well, that sounds quite swell darn diggity darn tootin'. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. So, if you want to reach out to us with your World Cup Bracket Picks, you can send us a tweet... World Cup bracket picks, like pictures of uh, your World Cup brackets, the brackets to hold, of course, your own individual World Cup. You can send us a tweet at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. It stands for Zion comes peacefully, commoner. Watch him. And that's uh, at twitter.com 
uh, where you find all your favorite tweets. If you want to send us like a long form manifesto about what you do or don't want to happen to Congress, you can send that to zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. We promise we will read it. You can find us on Facebook somehow. Uh, and we stream video games sometimes on twitch.tv slash zero credits. We will do it at some point in the future. We really don't stream a lot. We're very busy and I wish you would stop asking. Uh, and if you want to, just kidding, you gotta like, comment, and subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Tap on the bell to look at all of our future videos on iTunes. Really, listen, I want to be so... Videos? Yeah, all of our YouTube videos are all on, all on our iTunes. Listen, the <laughs> most important thing, guys, the iTunes reviews, I've been looking at the numbers, it's terminal. You need to leave us iTunes reviews. They will help this podcast more than you know. But even more than that, even more than an iTunes review, which is manna from heaven, you can give us the sweetest nectar, which is the words of the mouth, which, of course, is the only way we can survive. So tell your friend... Tell their friend to, well, tell your friend to tell their friend, and then tell your friend's friend to tell you, and then three people have been told, and then that's two additional listeners. We've increased our listenership by 200%. Let them know that zero credits has changed your life, even if it hasn't. Lie. Morality is subjective. I'm from every cow poke and cow patty here down at the Zero Credits Rancheroo. We all want to wish y'all a happy how do you do it in the new week. Bye! I hate this. Hey, yo! That happened. That was a good episode, except for the part where we made comments that might put us in jail. We didn't. Uh, If they put us in jail, their United States government is a bitch.